0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very senior and accomplished professional from Boston, USA, Dr. Carol Kaufman. Carol, welcome.
1: I'm excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Dr. Kaufman is an author of a book titled Real Time Leadership. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's a member of the Harvard faculty. She's a CEO coach, keynote speaker and a part uh, of the Thinkers 50 top eight. She's a senior leadership advisor with Egon Zender and uh, she loves prehistoric art, safaris, anthropology and traveling the world. Mm -hmm. Before we talk about your book and leadership, tell me a little bit about your own journey.
1: Well, I started out actually, first I was I worked with violent horses. Was my mm-hmm. first. Those were that were abused. Then I was a singer. Then um, I really found out that why I loved to sing was really the emotional impact it had for people, and mm-hmm. that's when I decided to leave singing and become a psychologist. Wow! Which was from my first coaching session, mm-hmm. um, and I specialized in trauma for many years, mm-hmm. and. That was very powerful work. And Correct. my trauma survivors got better and then became peak performance clients. And then I went from that into coaching and then mm-hmm. coaching leaders. And along the way, I started the Institute of Coaching. Mm-hmm. We have about 1000 members. Okay. And um, I have to say, of all the things I do, I really love coaching leaders the best. Amazing.
2: Amazing,
0: Amazing. And that is what probably led you to write your book, real time leadership as well so let's mm-hmm. talk about your book tell yeah. me about the inspiration to write real time leadership and what was your hypothesis when you wrote it
1: okay what really what really evolved for me and my co-author david noble so david is a businessman he was a ceo of a internet bank way back when mm mm-hmm. And and he angles in on the strategy side because the book is part business book. It could be an MBA book, actually.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then and I bought to it then my background in behavioral psychology and um, um more sort of intangible identity issues that mm-hmm. we put together. And the backbone of the book is really about how can you as a person and a leader find the wherewithal. To create a space between a stimulus that comes at you and the response you give. And mm-hmm. as a leader and as a person, if you can do that, but that you can also then know what to do in that space,
2: mm-hmm. it,
1: you be a better leader, a person, help you lead your team better, and then create a ripple effect where people mm-hmm. can be genuinely aware and responsive to each other. And having high performance.
0: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And what does real-time leadership mean to you? And how does it differ from any other form of leadership?
1: Well, in a way, it probably overlaps a lot with servant leadership, transformative leadership, mm-hmm. um, all of those, except what it what our book does is it's really like an operating manual. Mm-hmm. Because people say, Oh, you know, here's a way you could treat other people. Well, we have Four categories, And we literally go through like a checklist, like mm-hmm. an emergency checklist of a pilot in each of these areas. So I think that's one thing it does. Mm-hmm. And that's because David and I are, you know, pretty much, you know, great coaches. Mm-hmm. And so we use that. But so what we do is we really um, believe that this kind of agile leadership where you can change Instantly, it's like you can use each part of the book for your split second question
2: mm-hmm.
1: will help you under fire and under rapidly changing conditions. Mm-hmm. So it's like how can you constantly pivot.
0: Okay. <clears throat> and you say that this book is for everyone, not just those in managerial positions. Yes. Can you elaborate a little more about this? Because obviously, your <laughs> understanding of leadership goes beyond management
1: well it's very interesting cuz um david and i primarily work with ceos and mm-hmm. founders um and people like yourself mm-hmm. and you know so we wrote the whole book with that in mind either that you know people who are you know very high end leaders or people who will become them
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's only after mm-hmm. We we gave the book to HBR and it mm-hmm. was out of our hands that I realized we had also written a parenting book. Mm-hmm. Um, that we talk about it works at the top of the house and it works in your own house mm-hmm. in terms of literally every aspect of the book. And we have this acronym M O V E move, MOVE mm-hmm. and it applies to CEOs, but it literally applies to child rearing how to relate to your family, to other people. Hmm. And we we didn't realize that till the book was out of our hands.
0: Mm. So tell me a little bit more about MOVE.
1: Okay, um, right. And then you can follow up on what part interests you the most. So um, I'll do it quickly, mm-hmm. then more slowly, and then we can talk about it in business and at home. Hmm. So the acronym MOVE mm-hmm. stands for M is to be mindfully alert.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mindful, we understand, but alert mm-hmm. like an athlete. Connect. O is to be an options generator, which is in any aspect of your business or your or your interpersonal um, or your identity life.
2: Mm-hmm. You have
1: four sets of pathways forward. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you can be mindfully alert to Mm -hmm. what you need to do. Then you can have options forward, but you have to really check your vantage point. Mm -hmm. Um, And ego is the enemy of having a solid vantage point. And there's ways to check off, is my vantage point accurate or not? And how to look at that. Then the final one, E, is to engage and, you know, affect Mm -hmm. change. Inside you or inside your organization, Mm, mm. which which one would you like to start with? No, so
0: let's talk about mindfulness then. You know, a leader needs to be mindfully alert. Okay, Uh, so talk a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so being mindfully alert. um, So you, I'm sure, know mindfulness better than I do, Mm. but it's this capacity to be settled down in yourself, centered, Mm. and to really be able to notice without judgment Mm -hmm. what is going on outside of you inside of you and with other people
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but then you have to add to that being alert Mm -hmm. alert like an athlete I think of um I was privileged to be at the very last game of the very famous American basketball player Kobe Bryant who Mm -hmm. unfortunately died soon after and um you watch him play he is Again, centered but absolutely alert to what's going on um, around, inside, with other with the competition, mm. with the arena. And so what we talk about is three-dimensional leadership. So for everyone watching, what you want to do is have three dimensions to your leadership. Right. First is what you need to do, and that can be less obvious than you think, then who you need to be and then how you need to relate. And that's mm-hmm. very much connected to Harvard Business School model of teaching leadership, which is the No do and be model. And mm-hmm. the the be is very important. And there's three split second questions you can ask yourself like in front mm-hmm. of every meeting before you're about to meet with a team say, what do you need to do? So you can think, well, we have a key decision to make. That's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute, is that what you need to do? Or do you need to align the people around your, the table mm-hmm. so that you can do it together? Or you go in and you think your job, what you need to do is to align the people around the table, but mm-hmm. no, it's actually to make that decision. So mm-hmm. how do you check in with yourself? What, what do I need to do? What do mm-hmm. I really need to do? Is that right? And then be very attuned to information coming at you, show sure that you're wrong. So that's the first part. Mm-hmm. The second part is who do you need to be? Mm -hmm. Ask yourself, you know, am I being the person I want to be right, right now? Right. That's another thing I want to challenge you on, which is, say for the next 48 hours, um, before any meeting, ask yourself, who do I want to be Mm -hmm. right now? Mm -hmm. Who do I want to be right now? And Mm -hmm. one of the people that Marshall Goldsmith and I were working with um, she's a CEO of a major platform company. You'd know her in the news, et cetera. And we challenged her to do that. And it was during COVID. And one day she was at the very end of her day, you mm-hmm. know, had been like 16 or 20 Zooms. She's about to have her last meeting of the day. She is like many of us, she's cranky, she's overtired, mm-hmm. et cetera. And she's about to start that last meeting of the day where she just wants to stop. Mm-hmm. And she trained herself to ask herself before every meeting, who do I want to be right now? Mm. So this is a pivotal split second question that takes you half a second. Mm-hmm. So when she said to herself, who do I want to be right now?
2: Mm.
1: It opened up her brain just a little. So a thought could come in that was, wait a minute. The least important meeting of my day is the most important meeting of theirs. Correct. And it, totally change. So before I go on to the third dimension, are there any questions? No, no,
0: I'm, I'm very clear on what you're saying.
1: Okay, It's fascinating. Um, mm. So then so back to three dimensional lead leadership, mm. and mm. being mindfully alert to what you need to do, who you need to be. The mm. third one is how do you need to relate? Mm-hmm. And because we typically work through others, and to create a psychologically safe and peak performance organization, how you relate to others is is absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. So one aspect of that we talk about is that the golden rule is wrong. And the golden rule is treat others as you would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And that's great. It Mm -hmm. works beautifully if the other person is just like you. Right. But instead, we want the platinum rule, which is as a leader, and, and at home, treat others as they would want to be treated which may not be what you would want mm. so um so imagine you've got like um an, an extrovert boss and an introvert report
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so the introvert report is having some issues and they're 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 a bit in trouble so the extrovert boss thinks wow yes surely this person wants encouragement and it would be so helpful for us to meet and to mm. sort it out together and the poor introverts going oh please just like give me space to think okay now reverse it you Mm -hmm. have the introvert boss and you've got the extrinsic report and the extrinsic report is having trouble Mm -hmm. and the introvert boss goes surely they need space Mm
2: -hmm. and so
1: this poor person feels abandoned So it's how do you really know what other people need and tune into that
2: Mm.
1: sort of it. So how to be mindful to what you really need to do, who you need to be, and how you need to relate.
0: Mm. How wonderful. And I love this very fine differentiation you have created between treat others how you want others to treat you versus treat others how you would they would expect you to treat them, you know. I think
2: mm-hmm. it's
0: a brilliant uh, differentiation, and thank you for sharing this. I hadn't heard this before, uh-huh. but uh, I want to ask you one more question on leadership, and then a few more questions on coaching. Uh, yeah. One of the, the things that I have I've spoken to many leaders in the last few years, and they've said that the most difficult time of their leadership journey was the pandemic, when they had to actually keep their flock together. deliver for their shareholders and stakeholders. So my question to you is, how do you suggest leaders can affect, apply the principles of real-time leadership in remote or virtual environments or hybrid work environments?
1: It's quite a challenge. And of course, the part you're even not mentioning, which is so excruciating is as the leader, are you going to make people come to work? Are you going to allow them to stay home? Mm -hmm. Like, what what are you going to do? But I think the first thing, and you can think of it now in terms of the three dimensions of leadership, was Mm -hmm. suddenly so much more was being asked of you as a CEO. Suddenly, you had to be, you know, you had to adjust your leadership in real time. So, one of the things we have is this option generator which is, do you, as your leader, do you lean in and mm. engage and be directive? Right. Do you lean back and go with data and be very rational? Do you lean with and be very caring and mm-hmm. think about people or are you able to not be triggered and not lean at all? Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, that was absolutely key mm-hmm. because suddenly if you were a very flat leader and and very kind of egalitarian, well, in times of chaos, there's something called the Kinevin theory. In times of chaos, you may suddenly have to be very directive, Mm -hmm. even if only short time. So you may have to lean in when your strength is leaning back or leaning with. Mm. But the other thing is so many people needed personal support and suddenly a CEO, a lot of people said, I have to be a comforter in chief. Mm. Suddenly the demands on me are so great. And then this constant, constant unexpected change. I mean. It's easy now almost to forget how scared we were in the beginning. Mm. I mean, we were all yep. really scared. I mean, we, you know, when you'd go shopping or pick up a package of food, you wash your hands because you didn't right. know how you could get it. And mm. so I think the, the leaders who had um, to help those people, it was an enormous. But the big one, I actually wrote an article for HBR mm-hmm. called Without Compassion, Resilient Leaders Fall Short because. Mm. <clears throat> I found that with most of the leaders that I was working with, and, and, you know, these are people who run $350 billion organizations, down to maybe 2000000000 mm-hmm. billion, they're, they're really tough, resilient people, they mm-hmm. were not freaking out themselves. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is we had to really watch out that a kind of a, a little bit of contempt didn't come out, like, what's wrong with you that you're in trouble? Like, I'm not in trouble. And that was a big thing I had to do with some of my leaders is uh, um, really confront them about you cannot expect of others what you have yourself. You, you, know, you have enormous support, enormous privilege. And when you're a leader, you're like, you're the recipient of the kind of stress that would crush an ordinary person, mm-hmm. you do this. And, and so then the pandemic, is it necessarily so hard on you personally? Mm-hmm. Because you're trained, you've been inoculated, you've been in practice your whole life mm-hmm. and other people haven't been. Correct. So that's some of how I think the Correct. pandemic. Well a kind of Great response. Away.
0: Thank you. Great response. So a, a few questions for you now on you as a coach. You told sure. me you set up an organization which I think has a thousand uh, members. Uh, my first Absolutely. question, to yeah.
2: sorry. We've
1: grown. We've you grown. Go. We have a thousand. You're so you're right. We have a thousand fellows.
2: Okay. We have
1: another, dear Lord, three or four thousand affiliates, and we have about thirty thousand in our larger
2: amazing uh, amazing
1: community.
0: So, my first question to you is that, given mm-hmm. you know, your own amazing background, how has your background supported your coaching philosophy, your style, and your values?
1: Mm-hmm. Ah, do you have three hours?
0: Um, <laughs> no, I well, wish I'll, I did. But, I'll,
1: I'll tell yeah. you one one thing mm-hmm. um, which is a bit personal, but it really has impacted me is my father was a CEO entrepreneur who was a um a sociopath. Mm-hmm. he He would, when I was young, so Mm. so imagine you're a leader. Could you imagine having this conversation with your child? Mm. Which was one day we're sitting out by the lake and he's like, Carol, this honesty stuff, this is blank for the birds. It's a jungle out there. You've got two choices. You can lie first or you can lie second. Mm. First is better. And then he taught me how to lie. Mm. And I go, but dad, I don't want to lie. He's Mm. like, it's the only thing. So the irony is, is that, by watching him and his criminal activities, which he wanted me to continue after he died, and um, frankly at great risk to myself, mm-hmm. I shut them all down.
2: Hmm. Like the
1: running, everything I burned hmm. everything, and then I ran out of town, literally. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, and they broke in right after I left. But actually, that has been very, very formative. Um, and also, I understand the pressures that led him there. Mm. And so that was a big thing. And my my mother, on the other hand, you can experience why they split up, was extremely moral and, um, you know, sort of believed in the truth, et cetera. So my parenting had a lot to do with it. Mm. And then I did have some good leaders and role models along the way. Mm. But I think that's what really, and and also, I was exposed to a lot of dangerous people growing up. I'm very dangerous people. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you're dealing with an angry CEO and it's like, come on, I was stuck with the underboss of the Genovese family who was screaming at me, a CEO is not going to scare me. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, at the same time, my father was a sociopath, he was a very likable person. Mm-hmm. And so, I think the key to my coaching is the capacity to care for people mm-hmm. who scare other people amazing when when you do then you can speak truth to them Mm -hmm. and 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 bond with them because that's the most important thing as a coach is if you can't overcome ego and if you can't care and i mean really care about the leader you're working with Mm -hmm. those those are the two secrets of success knowing Mm -hmm. a lot of frameworks everything else but you have to be mindfully aware Mm -hmm. who you want to be and how Mm -hmm. to relate Every minute.
0: Thank you. And thank you for sharing your own story uh, with me on our on our show. Um, My next question, you carol, and I have time for two more questions. Right. Is is on culture. You know, you come, you live in probably one of the most culturally diverse countries in the world. Yeah. Uh, We come from different cultural backgrounds in our homes. We work in companies with different cultures. We live in communities which have different cultures. My question is, how does culture impact coaching?
1: Ah, uh, What is it, that article by, um, I think it's Cynthia Montgomery or someone that culture eats strategy for breakfast.
0: Yeah. Um, a lot of people say that Ducker said it and someone said they don't, but statement, yes. you're right. Culture eats strategy for breakfast.
1: I think as a coach, you know, so first of all, I think if you establish a really lovely relationship with your client. So I'm, I have a couple of clients, but one in particular, who is a, um, a president of a very significant company in India, you would know, you would know her. Mm -hmm. And in the coaching, a lot of times she's just like, she'll like say, Carol, Carol, (laughs) let me explain. Mm -hmm. And then she will explain a little bit more about here. If I do this, I'll be Mm -hmm. cremated. So I'm like, okay, like, forget what I said then. Um, Unfortunately, since coaching is more pulling than telling,
2: mm-hmm. it,
1: it helps you with the culture of it. But if you have a good relationship with your client, mm-hmm. they can help you when you go off. And then also, I think just experience. Correct. Um, and But I feel limited that way. I've only lived in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I spent about four months a year living in other places, but mostly here. Mm-hmm. I only speak one language, which is mm-hmm. quite pitiful compared to most Mm. of my clients. But it is like the marinade that you're you're in. So if you're a chicken and you've been marinated in orange your whole life, you you are orange flavored chicken. And on one hand, working with someone who isn't that can give you different ideas, Mm. but they have to really appreciate where you've come from Mm. and what your challenges are and just realize you don't know what you don't know.
0: Well said, well said. and my last question for you, Carolyn, this is for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation based on your own deep understanding of leadership of coaching, what would you say are three lessons you would want a lot of our young viewers and listeners to take away from our conversation?
1: okay. the first one is about how to be successful
2: mm-hmm.
1: um when you're on a path forward, mm-hmm. what you need to do is realize, like, no matter how hard it is, that mm-hmm. you're not in control of your destiny, mm-hmm. but you are in control of your probabilities. So as right. you move forward, do the things that you find energizing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: will increase your probabilities, mm-hmm. um, rather than direct success. Because you can go for a certain promotion and not get it. And you can consider it, you know, a failure. And Mm -hmm. on one hand, maybe it is, but also keep doing things that will increase the likelihood Mm -hmm. that you will be promoted and that you will help people. The second one for for working with someone is what your job is. Mm -hmm. One of your jobs that no one ever tells you, Mm -hmm. it's in a way it's a part of branding, is part of your job, is to help your boss feel safe
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to reduce their anxiety. So, for example, if you've just finished a job and you mm-hmm. know you've done it, but you haven't let your your manager know, mm-hmm. they're still holding the tension of is yeah. it done or not. So really communicate. And at the same time, again, mm-hmm. watch the bad kind of ego. Mm-hmm. And the other is, you know, um, I would encourage people to read the whole book because mm-hmm. it is, about 1000 tips
2: <laughs>
1: on, on how to be more successful. But mm-hmm. I think if you, you know, when we talk about the big thing is mm. find space between stimulus and response. Mm. Live there mm. as much as you can when something comes at you, don't immediately throw it back. Don't drop it. Mm. Uh, don't hug it. But just give yourself that space mm. to think and choose. And then you can become not just a good leader, but hopefully extraordinary as as a leader and as a person.
2: Hmm.
0: Fascinating. And on that note, Carolyn, your wonderful lessons, um, and I love the first one when you said you're not in control of your destiny, mm-hmm. but you are definitely in control of your productivity. And I think that is such That's a true. powerful statement. And next, you also told me was that help your boss feel safe. Uh, which means right. you also said communicate. Okay. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your journey. Thank you for talking to me about your book, Real-Time Leadership. And I'm asking all our viewers and listeners to go and check out Dr. Carol Kaufman's book, Real-Time Leadership. Thank you for talking to me about MOVE. M-O-V-E. I love the four uh, aspects that you spoke about in MOVE. Thank you for speaking to me about so many different aspects of coaching. Thank you again for speaking to me and good luck. Facebook Instagram and Twitter just search for the brand called you